Welcome to the Michigan Constitution Podcast, where the citizens of the Mitten State seek the pleasant peninsula between their state and federal identities through a deeper understanding of how Michigan's Constitution and its defining case law affects their everyday lives. Your host, Tony Snyder, is a licensed Michigan attorney with more than a decade of experience in private and government practice. Through this podcast, you'll better understand the unique characteristics of Michigan's supreme law and probably learn a few fun facts about federalism, too. And now, here's Tony. Welcome back to the 21st installment of the Michigan Constitution podcast. This time, I want to talk about Article 1, Section 8 of the Michigan Constitution. There is literally zero case law on this constitutional provision. I searched and searched and searched for anything that would remotely have been tied to this provision and came up with nothing. Therefore, I'm going to give you a very brief bit of history of this provision over the years, but to be fair, I have to thank the Michigan Citizens Research Council for this Michigan history lesson. But first, your spoonful of legalese. The purpose of this podcast is merely to teach you what's in the Michigan Constitution. Each podcast will review a different article section, we'll talk about what it means, and we'll review Michigan case law, which helps us to better understand the effects of those constitutional provisions. Here's what this podcast is not. It is not legal advice. It is not legal expertise. Although I am a licensed attorney in the state of Michigan, I make no warranties as to the veracity of the statements I make within this podcast. First of all, I don't practice constitutional law, I practice administrative law. Second, the laws change on a day-to-day basis, as does case law. What might be applicable the day I make a statement about the Michigan Constitution could very well be outdated the day I post the podcast. If you think you're going to become a Michigan constitutional scholar because of my podcast, you're sadly mistaken. You'd do better with a Ouija board and a Magic 8-Ball. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you need Michigan legal advice, you would be well served to contact the State Bar of Michigan and ask for their lawyer referral service program for a referral to an attorney who specializes in your legal matters. Now, Our Article 1, Section 8 provision in the current 1963 Michigan Constitution has not changed, at least not substantively, since it was first written back in 1835. It was originally listed as Article 1, Section 15 of the 1835 Constitution, and it's basically been the same or found to be the same in the two succeeding constitutions. Aside from a slight change in phraseology, the only material change of the 1850 Constitution from the 1935 Constitution is the inclusion of the necessity of consent by the occupant or owner of the house. The 1908 Constitutional Provision is identical to that of the Constitution from 1850, except at that point then it had been like Article 18, Section 9. So it's it's been moved around, right? But Otherwise, substantively, no change. Interestingly enough, or or probably what we should find to be good reason, there's been no litigation on the meaning of this provision, at least not by the Michigan Supreme Court or the Michigan Court of Appeals, which, let's be honest, those are the cases that, number one, I can find and read and review and research and whatnot, but number two, those are the cases that, that really have weight behind them for us to say, okay, Based on this particular fact pattern, here's what we know about whatever that constitutional provision is. Now, there are other state constitutions that do 
deal with this. Most of the states presently have some form or some provision regarding the quartering of soldiers, most of which are very similar to one another. Now, three states besides Michigan have a provision allowing the consent by the occupant of the house as well as of the owner. The United States Constitution, specifically the Third Amendment, is nearly identical to the provision of our 1908 Constitution. Now, just a little bit of Tony commentary, if you will. Because of the provision in the United States Constitution, the necessity for this provision within our state constitution is questionable. And that reason being, because the quartering of soldiers is prohibited by the United States Constitution, putting it in the Michigan Constitution or putting the prohibition uh, in the Michigan Constitution of those same quarters would appear to be redundant. Now, since this is such a short podcast, uh, let me give a little bit of history about how this idea of quartering of soldiers even originated such that our state believed it necessary to include it in our state constitution. Between 1754 and 1763, the British Empire sent tens of thousands of soldiers to its American colonies to fight the French and Indian War for control over the Ohio River Valley. Afterwards, many of these soldiers continued to live as a standing army in the 13 colonies. In 1765, the British Parliament passed a quartering act requiring the colonies to feed and house the soldiers. The colonists were able to provide barracks for the soldiers, and if barracks were unavailable, then the troops would be put up in inns, stables, and alehouses. If these were insufficient, the states and local municipalities were authorized to use unoccupied homes, barns, and other buildings to lodge the soldiers. As you would imagine, this act was extremely unpopular in the colonies, especially after the 1770 Boston Massacre in which British troops fired on a crowd and killed five people. In response to growing unrest in the colonies, Parliament introduced an even more invasive Quartering Act of 1774. This quartering was among the complaints that Thomas Jefferson listed in the Declaration of Independence. Specifically, he accused King George III of keeping, quote, among us in times of peace, standing armies without the consent or of our legislatures, end quote. But one of Jefferson's other complaints as listed in the Declaration of Independence was quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, end quote. After the American Revolution, the constitutional framers even debated whether the United States should have a standing army. The Federalists won that debate, but James Madison wrote the Third Amendment for the Bill of Rights to guarantee that the federal government couldn't force local governments, businesses, and citizens to house U.S. soldiers. But at the end of the day, our founding fathers decided that a standing army was a necessary evil. However, the role of the United States soldiers would be only to dispel foreign threats, not to enforce laws against American citizens. How about a quick little bit of uh, legal history of the Third Amendment of the United States Constitution? Since the Third Amendment's ratification in 1791, the United States Supreme Court has only had to review the provision in a couple of cases. 
There was a 1952 case, Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company versus Sawyer. And in this particular case, there was an attempt to prevent a national steel strike during the Korean War, and President Harry Truman issued an executive order to seize and operate the country's steel mills. The court ruled the president didn't have the authority to seize private property without an act of Congress. The United States Supreme Court, they used the Third Amendment, which prohibited forcible quartering during wartime without congressional approval, to illustrate the court's decision. The justices opined, and I quote here, even in wartime, the president's seizure of needed military housing must be authorized by Congress, end quote. Next, in 1965, the case of Griswold versus Connecticut, the court found that the first, third, fourth, and ninth amendments suggested a right to privacy and that this gave married couples the right to use contraception. Here, the court wrote, quote, the Third Amendment, in its prohibition against the quartering of soldiers in any house in time of peace without the consent of the owner, is another facet of that privacy, end quote. Although the United States Supreme Court has never weighed in on who counts as a quote-unquote soldier under the Third Amendment, a couple of lower courts have, creating precedents that the Supreme Court could cite in future cases. Let's talk about them. In the 1982 case of Englom versus Carey, a U.S. Court of Appeals ruled that the governor of New York did not violate the rights of striking correctional officers. And by striking, I mean people who are on strike, not actually just, you know, hitting correctional officers. So let me be clear. The U.S. Court of Appeals ruled that the governor of New York did not violate the rights of striking correctional officers at a New York's correctional facility when the governor evicted the striking employees from their prison-provided residencies and reassigned those residencies and the jobs over to National Guard troops. But it should be noted, the court did rule that National Guard members are quote-unquote soldiers under the Third Amendment and that the Third Amendment is incorporated into the 14th Amendment as applicable to the states. Therefore, even though National Guardsmen are considered soldiers in their respective state, they will still be deemed to be soldiers for the sake of quartering soldiers. This would be true under both the United States and Michigan constitutions. By the way, before I close, I do have to say special thanks to Becky Little over at History.com's website for some of these uh, quartering of soldiers stories and legal histories that I was able to provide. That's going to do it for episode 21. Thank you very much, and we'll be back with you again next time. The Michigan Constitution Podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not offer legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. This podcast is hosted by Tony Snyder. For more information, visit TonySnyder.com, send an email to podcast at TonySnyder.com, or follow Tony on Twitter at Tony Snyder. Catch new episodes on the 1st and 15th of each month. Thanks for listening.